As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat, the Jumbo Rivalry Edition. We got like 100 people on this uh, episode. I am, of course, Nick Baumgartner, joined today by Austin Meek, Colton Pouncey, and Brandon Quinn. How are we all doing? Start with uh, Austin. Say hello. Hey, everybody. How are we doing? Good, good. Colton, how are we doing? Good. I'm more concerned about how Michigan State fans are doing, but I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) So Colton's looking out for folks. Brendan, how, Brendan how's life in uh, basketball land here? We Man, I'm just – I'm not – I'm here to observe. I'm here okay. to, uh, you know, maybe play referee. I don't know. I have really very little to contribute. Um, so just a, just my regular my regular shtick, man. Sounds good. So we got, we got regular shtick. We've got a rivalry week and a weird situation and a weird year and everything else. And, you know, guys, I think before we get into too deep into this here, it's – there's not a lot of juice in this one this week. There's not a lot of sizzle. Uh, I don't. I don't think we probably expected there to be much, given all circumstances. But uh, Colton, we were talking about this earlier. There's just not much uh, by way of uh, electricity here that we've seen in the past. I don't know if that's because Mark D'Antonio's gone. He was kind of the the uh, lightning rod for that for a while, or if this is uh, all other things involved. But um, from your end, this has been kind of a tame week so far. Do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think my first clue was, you know, on Tuesday, you know, we had Antoine Simmons and he was kind of talking about the Michigan game and, you know, saying some things about it. And he brought up the 2015 game. Everyone knows, you know, trouble with the snap. And uh, I saw some people tweeting about it and someone tweeted at me saying, like, I'm just pretty deflated right now. I can't do this. <laughs> and, then of course, yeah. and of course, the next day I had a whole story on that. And, uh, you know, we'll see how <laughs> people, people respond to that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> It's just not your typical year. Obviously, uh, there's some some other factors outside of football kind of kind of factoring in here. Um, but in terms of this rivalry and where these two teams are, like Michigan State fans are just sort of – my sense is that they've been apathetic. And, like, this is just kind of one of those games where they're kind of expecting to lose going into it. It's not the – you can throw the records out when you play yeah. these two teams. That's not there right now. It doesn't feel like it's there. Um, it just seems like one team is clearly better. The other team is still working its way up, ha- you know, has some issues that has to – 
you know, work out. And I think they realize that and they're kind of preparing themselves for the worst. But I guess we can always say that you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I wonder if, uh, you know, if Michigan State had won last week, like if they'd looked halfway decent, even against Rutgers, you know, I think you might have seen some some more, you know, folks chirping or whatever online. And, you know, obviously I don't think you would have seen much different though from the players. I think this whole thing, like Mel Tucker's not trying to get into a rivalry fight here. I don't think ahead of this one as best he can. Austin, from the Michigan side of things, I do think, and you t- you were you were here last year, so you do have a bit of uh, reference on this, and Brendan can chime in on this too. I do think that the absence of D'Antonio has d- nulled or, you know, like tamped down a lot of the uh, – anger plus obviously all, all other things but what's your what's your read been so far on the Michigan guys because it seems like this is very much a you know we're not going to underestimate them but we've got bigger things to worry about here uh type deal from them this week yeah I mean Mel Tucker hasn't really done anything to establish yeah. himself as a, a villain in this series it, you know it's hard to uh you know it's hard to dislike the guy if you're a if you're a Michigan fan maybe you feel sorry for him a little bit right. I mean he's, he's in a tough situation but yeah I mean what D'Antonio did was you know, he landed some punches against Michigan. And, you know, if you, if you get hit in the mouth a couple times, then yeah, there's going to be some, some animosity coming back. And, you know, it just, it, it, that isn't, that isn't the deal right now with Mel Tucker. I think, you know, Michigan fans maybe are curious about what he's going to build there. And Mm -hmm. maybe they're looking down the road and saying, if Mel Tucker gets a couple decent recruiting classes in there, then maybe at some point Michigan state could be a formidable rival again, but I mean, Michigan just has right now bigger, bigger things to worry about. You know, Michigan fans, <laughs> the minute that game ended against Minnesota, yeah. Michigan fans, their minds were already going to, you know, much oh, yeah. bigger Everything. things than yeah. Michigan State. What can this season be? You know, mm. what what's the potential for this team? And I think it just kind of blew right past anything that would, you know, make them feel concerned about what's going to happen on Saturday. Brendan, as an outside observer, who's for, I think your maybe first or second football game that you covered here mm-hmm. was a D'Antonio was a peak D'Antonio era Michigan State Michigan game where Michigan State just handled them. Uh, has this been weird for you to see? Sort of the uh, I mean, D'Antonio's absence is the whole thing here. He he's gone, and Michigan State side obviously they lost to Rutgers, so that doesn't help. But he gave them confidence. You know what I mean? That's what it always felt like to me. Looking outside, was that he gave them such a you know, like we're going to talk shit today because, you know, we yeah. trust him a little bit. Right. And it's just been, I don't know. I'm curious on your thoughts on this. Cause I know you know, he saw the value of gas yeah. and he knew what it meant to the fan base and he knew how to feed into, it was like a politician, right? Like just right. work, work your base, you know? Um, first of all, though, I remember that day, Nick, mm-hmm. that was such an amazing introduction, not only to the rivalry, but to the state in general, Oh, yeah. And to MSU, I remember driving in that morning. You, you, we drove in together to mm-hmm. East Lansing, and arriving on campus and like seeing the lawns. <laughs> oh God, yeah, just bodies, <laughs> yeah, beer cans everywhere, people in gutters, yeah. and I'm like, all right, so this is how they get down here. That's pretty good. I like it. Um, but anyway, yeah. so with this, first of all, I think as a preface, like. Even if both teams were top 25 good right now, like in an alternate universe, under all the situations that are going on right now, I still think it would lack. Probably. Certainly any feel of normalcy. Yeah. Um, I just don't know. I think it's the the timing. It's 
the delayed start to the year that college football started basically a month before the Big Ten did. Mm-hmm. And the season doesn't even feel like it's actually happening. I know it does for you guys because you're on <laughs> Zoom calls. But, like, right. for me, like, I didn't realize it was Michigan-Michigan State week until, like, it popped up, like, in our work Zoom channel, right, where normally <laughs> you're spending three weeks getting ready for this shit. Yeah. Um, everything feels weird. Um, but for – yeah, like as someone who's just kind of watching from the periphery, um, I mean, saying it lacks juice is like yeah. a massive understatement, yeah. I feel like. And I, I like knowing that I have basketball season coming, I'm kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this is not great, boys. I don't, I don't envy any of you, and I'm about to be in the same situation. So it's kind of strange. I do think it would have more if Michigan State – were you know not at the end or not at the start of a brand new situation if if the situation was different and they weren't completely starting over even with all this obviously it wouldn't be the same but I do think it would have more and I do think that I mean this thing is flipped pretty heavily I mean that's Mm -hmm. the takeaway here and that you know when the game ended last year obviously we were all there Brendan wasn't there but he saw it you know it was 44 10 you know it was it was as lopsided uh as any, I believe any game, at least in modern times that we've seen from Michigan, Michigan State, it, it was almost like, you know, for all the days that D'Antonio had these great victories and, you know, some of them he, you know, was able to grind out at the end, some of them he completely dominated, all these things that gave so many people so much pride. And then when the, when the era was over and the last breath of it, it was like kind of the same as it was before, which is almost a reversal. I mean, Michigan, when, when Harbaugh got hired, there was such a big deal about, are you going to be able to overcome all this with Michigan State? Are you going to be able to move forward? They have now, and now it almost feels like it did in some ways, although it's only been, you know, a year or two of this. It almost feels like it did before D'Antonio, which I know, you know, Colton, you're very in tune with the Michigan State fan base. Uh, It's only been one game, and I think a lot of people – a lot. I would say this. I think a lot of people are, are, you know, even-keeled with this, and and they're they're logical with it, and they knew that this was going to be a a tough – a tough deal, but there's also a lot of people that are like, what the hell's going on here? Have you, have you been surprised at all by the reaction that, you know, some are, you know, maybe being a little rational and some are, you know, maybe not. Uh, you know, nothing surprises me with this beat and the the (laughs) fan base and everything. Um, I mean, I will say you never want to lose to Rutgers. And I think the fact that Mel Tucker's, uh, predecessor never lost the Rutgers kind of factors into this a little bit you know you're looking at this is a guy that's replacing a legendary coach and yeah yeah I was gonna be pressure that comes with that Nick you and I were telling everyone the whole mm-hmm. offseason like this is gonna take time like oh, you yeah. can't really focus on the record as much this year you just want to see progress throughout the season and you know I, I guess when you look at when this when the schedule came out in mid-September you know it kind of set up for a good start before you kind of figure out what this team's gonna look like right what happened Saturday is we found out what this team will probably look like. It's it's going to take a little bit longer than we thought, most likely. I mean, having seven turnovers against Rutgers is kind of fluky in a way, but at the same time, they did not deserve to win that game in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. And um, I think now when you look ahead, you've got Michigan this week. following week, you go to Iowa. And Iowa lost week one, but that's still a team with some talent and it's a road game. Week after, you got Indiana coming up, who Indiana looks like it can you know, be a little bit of a factor in the Big Ten this year. So I think what people are looking at now where it's like, okay, you beat Rutgers, and then you see what happens. Now it's like, oh, you lost to Rutgers. What happens now? And I yeah. think that's what people are at, and they're kind of, again, preparing themselves for the worst at this point. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like 
you know, I wondered beforehand, because I, I, we heard from a lot of people, Colton, in the summer about, you know, they understood the deal. Like if they play a season, a lot of folks were like, well, this is just going to be a process here and it might not be great. But then you see something like that in the first week and it tests, it tests people's patience very quickly. And that was something that I wondered, you know, is that, you know, and that's why I think a game like this actually for Michigan State is an opportunity. If you can, you know, not necessarily to maybe win the game, but if you can show some growth in certain areas and prove some things to yourself as a roster, uh, maybe the fan base won't be overjoyed with it. But in, internally, it does feel like this, you know, do you agree? It does feel like there's a chance for them internally to improve, you know, get a little confidence maybe, even in a loss. You, you know, yeah. you obviously don't want to lose the game, but like, Am I off on that? Are you, are you on the same page as me on this? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, if you win that Rutgers game, here's the thing. Like, let's say they, they won that game pretty handily, you know. Yep. Um, then you go into week two, you know, there's a lot more buzz, a lot more hype going into the game, I think, just winning and coming off a game against Rutgers, even if you didn't learn anything about Michigan State in that first game, if they were to have beaten Rutgers. Yeah. Um, I think that would have put more expectations. Like, people would have – even one game, because you know how people react over week one. Like, there's a lot of overreactions, underreactions, everything that comes with it. Um, if you beat Rutgers by a blowout, then you have your rival. People are kind of getting amped up for that. And then it's a letdown. Yeah. You know, then people are disappointed. I think right now the expectations are so low that if they're competitive, that's a win. You know, in a way, it's – I know people don't like moral victories. Yeah. But if you're competitive in a game against Michigan – you know, you're feeling good. Maybe you can carry that over into Iowa. I think I don't think Iowa was the same team as last year. They lost a lot oh, of talent. Right. So, you know, I know people are, you know, doom and gloom right now, but we're going to have to see what they look like against, you know, a, a more formidable opponent, I would say, in, in Michigan and a rival. And if they can get amped up for that and keep it close, like we'll see. But, um, you know, we're going to learn some things about this team in week two. And, and Austin, we saw it last year in Ann Arbor, the reaction that Michigan had – it was similar to the one a year before that they're all for it. Now they're all here for the Michigan Michigan state rivalry. They have no problem saying that they have no problem embracing that. I think Jim Harbaugh made that clear last year when he said, I think he stated the record, didn't he? He said that, you know, now everyone in this locker room has a winning record over Michigan state. And that's important to us. And just sort of, you know, they haven't been as over the, over the top, obviously this week either, but that's also a weird situation for Michigan. Just sort of the, what's your, what's your view been heading into this one, maybe compared to, some of the emotions we saw last season. I would say it's been a little more muted. Maybe mm -hmm. part of that is just the whole zoom thing. Like yeah. some things that guys might just say in the spur of the moment, if you're just standing there, maybe For they sure. don't come out yes. quite That's as freely sure. when you're looking yeah. at everybody's face on the computer screen. So like there really hasn't, you know, like I remember, you know, I think Ambry Thomas had a comment mm -hmm. last year that got under people's skin a little bit. Like it's, it's typical, right. In a Michigan, Michigan state week, somebody's going to say something uh, that, you know, takes a little bit of a shot at the other side, but I, I haven't heard anything like no. that this week. I, Colton, how, I'm curious, how did it play uh, in East Lansing? Cause I saw Mel Tucker said something about like the school up the road or something, which is, you know, like, yeah. geographically questionable <laughs> and also just kind of like a generic you know way to treat right. a rivalry like Colton did you get a sense like is Mel Tucker gonna be the kind of guy that's gonna try to get under Michigan's skin a little bit like is, is you know is he gonna trade some jabs with Jim Harbaugh or is he the kind of coach who's gonna like try to try to stay away from that it, it's funny he I, I will say he did say up the road and down the road <laughs> he, he did. said both in that <laughs> same presser omnipresent <laughs> yeah, yeah it's everywhere right. it's hovering everywhere. over us <laughs> <laughs> but uh 
I mean, Mel Tucker's a guy that's been around. You know, he was here for the Saban days, and, you know, he was Ohio State's DB's coach when they won the national championship. He later was their defensive coordinator. You know, he knows about Michigan. Um, you know, he knows that some of the programs he's worked for hate Michigan. And I think maybe behind closed doors, like, he'll hype it up, hype it up a little bit more. But in terms of, you know, outward public comments, I don't think he's going to be the, a guy that will shake things up the way D'Antonio did. D'Antonio was not trying to hide how he felt about Michigan in any way, mm-hmm. you know, from day one to, to his last year. You know, um, Mel Tucker is a little bit more reserved. Um, you know, he'll say he'll do some things here and there, like refusing to say the word Michigan throughout that that press conference. But, I mean, that's probably the most you're going to get from, them, from him, unless something crazy happens, which I'm not really expecting. Um, but I just think that he's he's just a more reserved guy in general, and you know, I, if anything, he's just going to you know preach that message behind closed doors. You know, he's had Antoine Simmons and Rocky Lombardi kind of letting these guys know what this rivalry means to the younger guys, the young freshmen. So I feel like he's a coach that's just going to let the program dictate and set the set the tone for the game rather than him coming out and saying, "Oh, I hate Michigan. I've hated them since I was two years old." You know, some stuff <laughs> right. like I'm not really. Yeah, I think I think the Michigan guys realize that the dumbest thing they could do this week is to say something that's going to give Michigan state some extra motivation. I mean, Mm -hmm. Michigan's better. Like they don't, you know, they don't need to stoop down to that level of, you know, trash talking Michigan state this week. Uh, You know, because if, you know, if Michigan just comes out and plays their game, they should be okay. Uh, you, You don't need to give, you know, Michigan state anything. You don't need to hype yourself up, you know, because Michigan is not in that position of like, Oh, we need to find some, extra edge this week you know that's going to get us get us over the hump with michigan state like they just they just have to come out and be in control you know and and do their thing and they should be okay it it feels to me like it's a it's a wash across the board for exactly what and just in terms of this shit you know like this the the air around the rivalry like for the the exact reason that austin said and it's because of the control that is over everything like everything is happening in a bubble. So even if the game goes, I think the way that most people think it will, like if Michigan just goes out there and runs them, right. Yeah. And it's a situation where, you know, normally there's going to be a bunch of dudes pouring into the media room, you know, <laughs> all hot and fired up and ready to just right. let it go. Right. And then they make a comment about, you know, the rivalry or, or whatever. And then you get your, your little sound bites. Like even that isn't going to be there. Like, no, the no. only thing that's really going to add to this is if is something that literally happens on the, on field. the field, you know what I mean? Yeah. A, 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 a fist being thrown or something like that. Like I, in terms of the stuff that we normally have on surrounding these games, it's just not going to happen. And it's so weird because it's usually what fuels all of it. It's just nonsense. And now we're, we always complain about the nonsense now we have a week that doesn't have any nonsense and we're complaining that there's, <laughs> that there's nothing to feast on. I think, I think there's something to be said for Mel Tucker picking his spots, maybe in something like this. And then also there has to be something for, you know, if you've been recruited into the program at Michigan state and you were alive and breathing when D'Antonio was there, you know, you know, kind of the standard that folks up there have set for themselves, at least in terms of your intensity, your attention to detail, you know, enough screwing around. Like, Colton, we talked a lot last week about, or even this week about, you know, you know, if, if they have guys on the team right now that are younger guys who, you know, Mel Tucker's having a hard time getting, you know, getting them to really 
hey, just put your head down and do what we're telling you to do and, and all the, I, this is a week it feels like where that would be an opportunity to sort of build some of that, you know, like your, your level of whatever we need from you has to be much higher for yeah. a game like this. There, there just seems to be so many teachable moments for Mel Tucker right now that that would take precedent over <laughs> talking shit about whatever else. It just seems like to me, and I, I'm trying to look at it from the best way possible here, because if you look at it the other way for Michigan state, it doesn't look good, but like there just seems to be a lot of opportunities here for him to, you know, teach lessons, really sort of set a new tone for this is what we're going to try to do here. You know, all those types of things. And I know it sounds weird, but it, it does make sense if you think about it. it. It seemed like that was the case in some ways last week. It Maybe, did, yeah. you know, he mentioned a, the running back rotation in practice and how every guy that played earned their time. And the way the timeshare was, it was, you know, a lot of Connor Hayward to start the game, some true freshman Jordan Simmons worked getting some carries over, you know, Elijah Collins, who was the big tens leading returning rusher. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of crazy to me. He didn't get his first carry until the third series of the game. So um, when asked about it, he kept going back to practice. So it seems like if you're reading between the lines, you know, maybe they weren't pleased with his effort or, or maybe he wasn't giving 100 percent, something like that. And they were trying to, you know, teach him a lesson, like you mentioned. And maybe you think that you can get that win against Rutgers while doing that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously didn't happen. So this week, if you can't get up for the Michigan game, if you're still dogging it or if you're still doing whatever in practice, whatever, you know, limited you from getting on the field as much as you were expected to get on the field then like, I don't know if you have a role under Mel Tucker. You know, that's he's trying to establish this early, it seems like. Um, I know you don't want to play Michigan in week two. That's usually a midseason game or later. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a good opportunity for them. You know, we're going to yeah. see the guys that they want to see in the field, the guys that, that's, that have earned that spot, and um, we're probably going to see a lot of them this week. And Austin, for Michigan, when the schedule came out, I, I wondered that, like, for Michigan State, I actually thought it was a decent spot for this game. For Michigan, I wondered if it was or not, because, you know, oftentimes in years past, and we've seen this from many college teams, when you're playing with that uncontrolled emotion – like it can get a little hectic and Michigan, I think is still, they looked great, but I think there's like, we can agree. They still need to continue to kind of put one foot in front of the other and maybe playing with less emotion in some of this sense would help. I don't know what's your read on, you know, sort of all things, you know, what we saw, you know, kind of where they are and, you know, you got to balance that right of getting too high, too low, or sort of staying right where you need to be to keep, keep this thing going in the right direction. I think we were prepared for Michigan to have a little bit of a, a bumpy start, or at least we didn't know, right? Like we talked we didn't about know, it yeah. a bunch that, well, maybe they'll come out and look really sharp because they've talked all off season about how consistent their preparation has been, or maybe it'll be like last year where they came out for the first month of the season and didn't look like they knew what they were doing. So yeah. I think we were prepared for the possibility that after this off season, everybody would need like two or three weeks to really get everything together. And that wasn't really the case based on what we saw in the first game, I mean, Minnesota looked like that. They looked like yeah. they could have used another month of camp to get everything figured mm -hmm. out, but Michigan looked really sharp. Um, so I think that maybe some of the, you know, some of the concern that I would have had that there's going to be like this leveling effect in the first couple mm -hmm. weeks of the season that everybody has this hangover from all of the stuff that transpired in the off season. And it's going to take us until like the middle of November for the good teams to actually look like good teams. Yeah. That wasn't really what we saw at all in the first weekend. It was like, you could tell pretty right. quickly who the good teams are in the big 10. You know, and Michigan looked like one of those teams. So I'm, I'm not worried necessarily that Michigan is just going to take 10 steps back this yeah. week and come out against Michigan state and look like they haven't you know, played, played football before. Uh, but I also think that 
I'm just, you know, I'm not sold that Minnesota was maybe the test that we thought it was going to be. I mean, I give Michigan a ton of credit for how they played. I just, after watching that game, I came away with some questions about Minnesota. It's like, is that really a team that's going to be like one of the best teams in the West? Or is that more like a, like a 500 type team? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how it carries over. I think that's a great point. Like, because, you know, like we said, Minnesota did replace guys defensively in Michigan. Top, I mean, offensive line for Michigan was amazing. They played about as well as you could ask, given the situation and, you know, replacing starters. But, you know, not that Mi- Michigan State's better or whatever. I'm not suggesting that at all. But, you know, just their level of focus and intensity and attention to detail. I mean, it looked like they'd been preparing for that game for two months or whatever, because they pretty much had been. And, you know, I'm interested to see if that could carry over at all spots, including, you know, Joe Milton, the quarterback, everything else. But, you know, it does seem right now as we sit today, and I guess, you know, people could look back, look on this, depends on what your team's doing and say whether or not these games, you know, well, you know, these games don't really count because this isn't a real season or maybe it does. But it does seem right now like you've got two programs that are sort of ships passing in the night. One's going one way, one's sort of stuck in another spot. We talk about recruiting all the time. Uh, in this game. And for Michigan State, I think it's probably more important uh, in terms of recruiting. I think it probably always is more important in terms of recruiting. Um, And I think that there are opportunities in a game like this for Mel Tucker to sort of introduce a little bit more of, you know, what you can expect from Michigan State team, though I don't know how much. It's just, it's a very, very challenging situation. I don't know all the silver linings that can be had there. I know what Michigan can do. I know Michigan last year put you know, the death blow, so to speak, on the D'Antonio era or the D'Antonio run of dominance over Michigan, like that was emphatically put to bed. And now, you know, their mission would be to make it clear to anyone who has, you know, a talented football player in this state that, you know, if you're a good football player in this state, you come to Michigan. You don't go to Michigan State, you know, right? And that's the that's the alternate on Michigan State side. Colton, we talk about this all the time. There have been guys that have been right on that line. We saw what happened with, you know, Austin and you and I have talked about Andrew Anthony, Rashawn Benny's about to make his announcement, although I think he's delaying it. There are guys that Michigan State's had a chance with in the state, but haven't been able to do anything with them. I don't know if a game like this changes or hurts that or if it's whatever at this point. I mean, it's, it's really hard to see sort of what's going on with recruiting and how all this impacts it right now. Yeah, I think for the in-state guys, they're still making decisions, and not just 2021, but 2022 as well. Uh, they're going to be watching this. I don't think it's going to be, you know, this big thing in the grand scheme of things. You know, maybe with some of the local kids, I will say that. But Michigan yeah, State's yeah, also yeah. recruiting nationally, so, you know, they those guys understand this is going to take time to get back up. Um, you know, I think they're sort of waiting and watching like the rest of us, but at the same time, it's like, hey, if, if, if anything that makes them recruit me as a player mm-hmm. – even harder like oh this is why we need you because we're getting our ass kicked by this team or yeah. whatever you know so I feel like that's the recruiting pitch I guess even if you lose to to Michigan it's like okay well that's exactly why we're recruiting you we think you can be a difference maker but you flip flip side of that you win that game that probably moves the needle for you in state with some of those guys like maybe like a Rayshon Benny or some of the 2022 guys they're going after that Michigan mm-hmm. is also pursuing so maybe you can say look hey we beat this this squad in year one 
we're not even anywhere close to where we want to be. Yeah. We're going to get more and more players like you, like, like your buddy over here. We're going to bring you guys to the program, get you into our system. We see you as a plug and play guy from day one, put you in this spot. And then we're going to, this is going to be a continuous thing. We're going to keep coming back, keep going after Michigan and we're right back in this. So maybe that's how this game can impact recruiting in state. And um, again, I think it's a little less important for the out of state guys that they're going after, but definitely in state for sure. I'll say that the, if things go bad for Michigan State, the thing that Mel Tucker, the best thing Mel Tucker has going for him is that it's a noon kickoff and you have the whole rest of the day to call every single recruit on your list the yeah. day of the game and say, this is what we're going to change and you're going to be part of it and blah, 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 blah. So that said, what are the chances that Michigan isn't as good as it was last week and Michigan state isn't as bad as it was last week. Because when I saw the turnover numbers from those games and I, I watched some of the Michigan state game and watched uh, some of the Michigan game. But when I see those turnover numbers and it's both teams have only played one game, I say, "Eh, yeah, things might be a little skewed in terms of our view of reality right now. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a buddy who's uh studies like the point spread stuff is really into that. Uh, Yo, tell him he, to start sending me some texts. Yeah, we need some bit <laughs> cannon help here. <laughs> so he was pointing out that I think the point spread on this game is like 24 points. Yeah. And if you had just looked at like the preseason power rankings of like the both rosters, it would have been like 13, 14 points. So like there's was a huge swing in like the perception of these two teams right. based on one game. And you know, like it's it's a game, it's a data point. It you know, it it showed us something about both teams. But I you know, I think that speaks to what you were saying, Brandon, is like maybe the reaction has gone so far that people have jumped so hard on Michigan and jumped off of Michigan State's bandwagon so quickly. Maybe these two teams are a little bit closer than you know, than we think right now. But I also go back to last year's game and how big that gap was last year. Mm -hmm. 44 to 10, Michigan was clearly the better team in that game. I feel like, Nick, I don't know if you agree. I feel like this Michigan Mm -hmm. team feels like a better team than last year's. And Michigan State doesn't look as good as last year's Michigan State team. So I have a hard time, you know, I have a hard time seeing these programs right now as just two teams that are separated by, a couple touchdowns. Yeah, you know, honestly, that twenty-four point spread feels about right to me. Colton, I want to hear your thoughts on this, and then I'll share mine. Yeah, I mean, I guess my question would be, you know, looking at that forty-four to ten final last year, if Mark Antonio were still the coach, how much would be different going into mm-hmm. this game? You know, may, maybe he has a, them a little bit more prepared just because his system wouldn't have changed and everything. You won't be going through some drastic, you know, shifts like that. But at the same time, like we know what his roster was like. Right. The talent, there's a huge talent gap. Um, you know, they're playing a lot of young guys in that game last year, and that would probably be the case this year with some first-time starters. So even with D'Antonio here, I don't know how different that game would look. I mean, you could talk about, you know, his passion for Michigan against Michigan and, you know, getting those guys ready to play, but there's still a talent gap, and that's the bottom line here. So, like, I don't – I guess I guess you can look at uh, the spread. I, I agree, Austin. I think, like, you look at that Rutgers game, and that sort of certainly kind of – change the expectations, lower the expectations, because when you turn the ball seven times over in a game, Brendan, that hasn't happened since 1981. It's been almost 40 years. Um, and I know that's – I think it's pretty fair to say they're not going to turn the ball over seven times. But at the same time, 
you're not playing Rutgers every week. You're the teams will get tougher. You're playing a Michigan team with, you know, top 15, top 10 talent in the country um, total on the roster. So I think when you look at that, there's still going to be a talent gap. There's still going to be, you know, some things to overcome. And, you know, bottom line is that's where the two teams are right now. Well, I think so, some of it, go ahead. I think, you know, that when you go year over year and, and look at the comparisons, you know, one of the interesting things is, is the timing of the game. Last year, that was what, mid-November. Mm-hmm. Michigan, I think, was, you know, they had beaten, what, Notre Dame like two weeks before that or something like that. You know, after losing to Penn State, like they were probably still trying to kind of validate themselves. And that Michigan State game was probably a prime opportunity to do exactly that. Mm-hmm. This scenario, you know, you got Michigan State probably going into its first game. New coach, they're all jacked up and they've been, you know, hearing nothing but positive things for months internally. And then they go and start throwing the ball all over the place and just yeah. crumble, right? And it all just, and now you get a week to stop, pause, reset. Okay, you know, let's focus on the smallest details before worrying about being good. That's where it seems to me Michigan State is. Michigan goes to Minnesota, plays out of its mind. Joe Milton has got everyone smelling themselves, right? Everyone's ready to go. <laughs> you know, it, right. so humility can come really quickly in a scenario like this. So I don't know. I mean, the, the year over, like, I feel like last year's blowout, I don't know how much that is, um, how much weight that carries here, but what do I know? I'll say this. When Michigan, when, when D'Antonio got Michigan State to a point, and I would say, uh, I mean, it depends on when you want to call it to where they were so clearly either at the level Michigan was at or better, you know, maybe even in 2011 is when that might have started, or maybe even before. They had guys on their roster that not only could have played and started at Michigan, mm. but were, you know, capable. And I'm talking, when I say these guys, I'm talking about guys in the lines. Okay. So up front on both lines, right. They had, you know, in 2011, they had William Golston. They had uh, Darrell Worthy. I mean, these are draft picks. These are guys that Michigan, you know, not only would have taken, but would have started. I mean, these are legit difference making football players at the point of attack. When I left the state in like 2006 or seven or whatever it was, and then, you know, came back in 2011 and started covering these games again. The difference was that Michigan State had guys at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball that not only could hang with Michigan, but could beat them physically. Like they had better play at the line of scrimmage in 2011, in probably 2012, certainly in 13, certainly in 14, maybe even again in 15. And that was the difference. The difference was is that D'Antonio was able to find guys at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, you look at guys like Jack Conklin, Jack Allen, uh, defensively, you know, even guys like Joel Heath played at Michigan State. For, I mean, guys like this, that they were able to find these guys that could come in and compete at the line of scrimmage. That was the thing last year and the year before, really, but especially last year that I thought was gone. And, you know, Austin, you said this earlier, that game was a 34-point you know, what, 44 to 10, right? It was 44 to 10. That game was completely won and lost at the line of scrimmage. Michigan State had no answer on either side of the ball for anything Michigan did. And that was the case with Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, all four. And D'Antonio last year, and Colton, you know this too, sort of wandered around this awkward, like didn't really want to say it or admit it, but it was almost felt like he was lying to himself. Like yeah. they'd fallen off. They weren't even close to the same level physically at the, at the line of scrimmage. So when we talk about this 25, 24-point spread, 
you know, I do think that there's there's an opportunity here where I don't think Michigan State's going to turn the ball over seven times. I don't think they're going to turn it over maybe four times. But I do question, and, and Austin, maybe you'll give your insights on this. Michigan looked so good at the line of scrimmage last week against Minnesota on both sides that I think I might be more in line with you. I don't know if I would bet the tw- minus 24, but, I mean, I could certainly see why this line is set the way it is because up front, I mean, forget about, hey, maybe Joe Milton will take a n- another step forward. Maybe he'll stall out. Maybe he'll have a, a rough second start. But up front – it still seems like they have so much more than Michigan State can kind of counter with. Yeah, and the other thing that was different about last year, Nick, that you alluded to is there was a sense that this could be Mark D'Antonio's last game in this rivalry. And we talked about this and we wrote about it. Michigan sensed that. You know, Michigan Mm -hmm. sensed that blood in the water last year. And look, this guy's been a thorn in your side. You've been hearing about trouble with the snap for the last four (laughs) years. You've got a chance to finish (laughs) this guy off. And he's coming oh, yeah, into your yeah. place, and you're going to take every every advantage of that. And Michigan did. You know, they kept that foot on the accelerator. I remember that touchdown pass. It was mm-hmm. Shea Patterson to Cornelius Johnson, I think, in like yep. the last three or four minutes of the game. Yep. Like there was no let up from Michigan in that game at all. They're not going to have that same you know, emotional uh, drive to put it on Mel Tucker in that same way. You know, I I think I'm really. Curious. Oh, I think they will. You think so? They might. Oh, I they think might. they absolutely will. They might. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm curious to see, Nick, you brought up the, op- you know, the offensive line. Yeah. I'm curious to see, look, Michigan's offensive line played really well. Uh, also, if you've got a guy going untouched for a 70-yard touchdown, like part of that, you know, is the other team too. Yes. Um, so, you know, is, is Michigan's offensive line, yeah, there's a little skepticism about that group coming in. Right, are they, yeah. You know, are they as good as they looked last week or – will we see maybe coming back to reality a little bit? It's still a good offensive line. They can still move some people, but it's not going to be eight yards a pop like we saw yeah, in the first game. Th- that's a great question. Michigan could actually win this game without too much trouble, and still we might have that question, right? Because, you know, given what – but, I mean, if you look at it across the board, they got they got what we expected from Jalen Mayfield. I mean, he's a, he's a star, and, you know, I think that we can all agree now, and we've been talking about it for a good year here, that whenever he does decide to leave, He's going to get drafted. I mean, he might be a first-round pick, right? He might be – Jalen Mayfield might be the best draft prospect on the field in this game, and he might be the best draft prospect on the field in, in many Michigan games this season. So so he's legit. Stuber looked legit, and I think we've seen him play before. And from a run-blocking standpoint, he looked like he knew what he was doing. Ryan Hayes got rocked a little bit early in the game on a pressure, but then sort of figured it out. I thought Vistardis was way better than I thought he would be. I'm curious to see if that levels out. And Filiaga was really solid. And I'm curious to see if that sort of, you know, where that goes. So th- those are all fair questions. But when I look at this game, Colton, like, I don't know if Michigan State has enough, maybe on the defensive side of the ball, but they're also going to have to make some decisions on, are you going to play your best guys? Are you going to see what they can do? Or are you going to default to these older guys who some of them have now had like three cracks at Michigan and it has not worked well. Right. So that's sort of where I'm looking at. Like Michigan state's got some guys defensively inside, like, uh, you know, Jacob Slade's a nice player. Naquan, Naquan can play a little bit. Right. I mean, they've got some guys that can do some things, but you've got some other guys too, you know, not just defensively, but offensively that, you know what, we'd like to see a little bit more from them and see if they can maybe come in here because you're just going to get out athleted everywhere else. I mean, that's the bottom line here is that especially in the trenches, I just don't know what answers they have. You know, they're going to have to dig deep in the roster here, but maybe there's somebody that can come in and help that we haven't seen because I think we're going to need to see something. It might be time 
if you don't see it early in this game, it might be time to just, you know, hand the keys over to the younger guys on, along that offensive line. You know, I the Nick so. Samax. I mean, J.D. Duplain should be starting in this game. Yeah. You can give Matt Allen another chance, uh, see what he can do. But he's had a couple of years now. So if he can't get together relatively early this year, I think it's just fine, time to uh, shift and, and go to someone else. Because that offensive line did not get a push. You know, they're getting beat by Rutgers. So imagine what Michigan's going to do to them. Right. Like, they have to kind of – come out here and show some physicality. I mean, we talked about Chris Kapilovic and, you know, the, the impact that he makes in year one. Certainly didn't see that in week one. Um, we'll see if they progress throughout the season. But, you know, 39 attempts for 50 total yards rushing yeah, in terrible. that game, it's, it's awful. Like, and part of that is, okay, yeah, we didn't see much of Elijah Collins. He wasn't that productive when he was in the game anyway, but it all starts with the offensive line. And if you're not going to create holes and get a push there, you're not going to do anything. It doesn't matter who's back there. Um, doesn't matter if Le'Veon Bell or someone else is back there, you know? Like, right. you're if you can't get a push up front, you're not going to win this game, and you're not going to win most games on your schedule. And that's my thing, because I think that Michigan State could, you know, if they play clean football, I mean, this we've seen these recipes a thousand times. I mean, the recipe for an upset is to play clean football, is to hope the other side screws up, and yep. that you end up being in position, you know, long enough to maybe make it to where you're, you go from bothering them to you steal one. But they're not going to have a chance to do that I'm a, you know, for Michigan State, I don't think they're going to have a chance to do that if they can't do anything at the point of attack because, like Austin, I saw last week when we were watching Michigan against Minnesota. Every time Minnesota had a response for Michigan, and they did, it didn't matter because Michigan's offensive line just put them in a trash can and said, like, this game's over. We're going to just control this game no matter what. And that would be my big thing with Michigan State here is I just don't know if they're, if they're going to have enough by way of answers. And Colton Red, I think, you know, J.D. Duplain needs to play – Devontae Dobbs needs to – we need to see if he can do something somewhere at some point here. Samak needs to play. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you need to continue to let – you know, get Michael Fletcher involved defensively. Uh, some of the younger guys in the front seven and on the offensive line, you need to see what they can do in a game like this. D'Antonio would tell you that. Like, he did this all the time. He would sprinkle in younger guys into this game to see what they – how they reacted. Like, he, did are you with, be, uh, he did with Mike Fletcher last year. Right. How are you going to react when it, when, you know, the shit starts flying and it gets real and we all, and we all can talk about it. And it's all real that this week it's been kind of tame and whatever, but when they get out there, I don't care if there's nobody in the building, or if they're playing this in a cornfield, like they're going to go at each other, you know, like that's just, that's the reality of this. So you're looking at Michigan state and you're saying, how many guys do we have that we can trust and count on and rely on that are going to be guys who we can pencil in in ink, maybe even, as they're going to be parts of our program going forward. And how many guys do we need to move on from? If I'm Michigan state, that's what I'm looking at for this game. If I'm Michigan, it's, are we going, are we really mentally disciplined the way that we showed last week? If we are, then we've really got a good thing going here because we'll take care of this team and no problem and just roll through them. That's, that's kind of the, the push and pull uh, on both sides of this. I look here because it's, it's difficult to sort of match this up and look at it any other way than, you know, Michigan looked like one of the best teams in the league last week and Michigan state looked like, you know, one of the worst. Yeah, Nick, I think during the Minnesota game, you and I had this conversation. There was a point in that game where it was like, well, Michigan could hand the ball to Hassan Haskins and let Joe Milton yeah. run on every snap and get five yards and never give the ball back to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Like that, you know, Michigan did some other stuff, but they didn't really need to. Like that was, you know, they, they could have just won that game keeping the ball on the ground. Colton, I'm curious, you wrote a little bit about Michigan State's 4-2-5 defense this week. What do you think Michigan State really wants to take away from from Michigan? Is there one thing that Michigan does offensively that's going to Michigan State's going to say, okay, this is you know this is the one thing we want to take take away from Michigan's offense? Is it Joe Milton's legs? 
Is it Joe Milton's arm? Is it the running backs on the ground? What are they going to start with? Um, you know, one thing that really hurt Michigan State last year, and you saw it in some games, especially like Indiana, was you know, quick, those quick passes in space that would get guys. So they just didn't have the athletes to kind of make those plays. And I think maybe that's part of the reason why Scotty Hazleton came over from, from Kansas State and you know, they passed the ball a lot over there. Um, but I think maybe that's one of the reasons why he wanted to transition to his 4-2-5, you know, get some more athletes on the field, take out a slower linebacker, replace him with a DB or, you know, a nickel corner or some, someone like that. Um, honestly, I, I feel like it's still a work in progress. Um, we talked to Mike Trestle a few weeks ago and he mentioned, hey, it could what we want early is we would like for guys to be picking up our system and, and clicking. But we know that's probably not realistic. It's probably going to take some time. Certainly saw that in week one. Um, you know, there's some some misassignments, you know, and the first touchdown run by Rutgers, you know, Noah Harvey was completely turned around on, on one play and just yeah. left his gap assignment and things like that, where like you're going from three linebackers to two, you know, you're, you're spreading, you're spacing out the defense a little bit more. It's going to take time, communications off, things like that. Um, so I, I think in week two, something you're trying to take away is again, like that speed and space kind of mantra. Like if you have an extra DB, a guy that you feel good about, you know, you know, playing in space, playing in the slot, like let him go to work. Last week that was Shakur Brown, um, a guy like Micah Dowell, who's a safety kind of came in and played up in the box with the linebackers at times and things like that. You know, Xavier Henderson did some similar things. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, they're still trying to work out the kinks with that defense, though. But uh, I'm certainly afraid of Milton's legs and what he can do. Um, some mobile quarterbacks kind of hurt them last year as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this new defense, this new scheme kind of reacts to that offense. That's a really good question from Austin there. And I think that for Michigan State, if you look at it, Colton, I think it's as much about just fit, just fit the run properly, right? And and I think in all scenarios, just say, just make them make them have to earn the yards that they get. I think is the is the situation if you're Michigan State here because what Michigan does and what we saw last week and what we've seen at times last year is they're going to try to mess with all of your run fits and all of your sort of your keys defensively and all the things that you normally would look at when you say, okay, this looks like zone to the right, so we're going to try to make sure we fit this year, but at the last second, it's not going to be that. It's going to be something else, right? So the worst thing you can do is just not be in a gap and just give them 18 yards because you're not there. If you just, and I look back like last year, that was a problem. They couldn't, Michigan had them all crossed up. They didn't know what to do. They were out yeah. of gaps. They were blown assignments. And a lot of those big plays were as a result of like, you just gave it to them. You just, they, they out schemed you and you weren't ready for it. And, and they, and they beat you. If you go back to two years ago, off Michigan dominated that game defensively when Lewerke was hurt and all this. But if you flip the side around, and I would still argue that two years ago, Michigan had a complete advantage at the line of scrimmage and didn't, I would say, dominate that game offensively in a way that maybe I thought they could because Michigan State was at least there. It was like, we have a body in this gap. You might be able to pick us up and body slam us out of this gap, but we're going to make you earn the four yards that you're getting here. It's not just giving them gashes. And that's the thing. We didn't see – we saw too much of that last week. And I think that's the stuff what I would say Michigan State could cut down on the turnovers and be in better shape. And, we, you know, I think we can all buy that that would be the case. But if they're going to be – you know, if Noah Harvey is going to be looking inside when a guy's trying to bounce outside and it's a walk-in – I mean, it's going to be a long, long day. And that's the stuff that Mel Tucker can fix from week one to week two. And if you're going to get beat, at least get beat doing the job the right way and then you move forward and say, you know, what, you know, what can we do to improve all that. If I'm Michigan State looking at Michigan's first game, I think I'm saying I'm going to make Joe Milton go out and yeah. earn it yeah. because that was the one thing we didn't really see in, in week one. Minnesota didn't really get much pressure on Joe Milton. He wasn't hit 
you know, he had time to make his reads. Uh, I, you know, we didn't really see a lot of pressure on Michigan's receivers. Uh, you know, we didn't see Michigan's receivers challenged to have to be really physical and you know, make a contested catch. So I think that that's, if I'm Michigan state, that's what I'm going to say is uh, we're going to take away the run and we're going to make Joe Milton make some tough throws. And if he does it, you tip your cap to him and yeah. say, yeah, this guy's the real deal. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the big 10, but I don't think Minnesota really succeeded in putting a lot of pressure on, on Joe Milton in week one. And that's if I'm Michigan state, that's what I would try to do. If, if Milton goes out and just bombs Michigan state runs all over the place, throws the ball all over the place. What, what will it take to even remotely <laughs> slow the hype train that will. <laughs> you would have to physically throw out of that your body in front of it. <laughs> and even then, I don't know. We'd all have to do it. I think like many people. Would have to do it. And even then, I don't know. It's a great question, but but you know, Brendan, you watched the game Saturday night. You watched? Did you watch Milton? Yeah, play? some of it. Yeah. What did you think? You've seen Michigan football for they were way seven, better than I, uh, they yeah. were way better than I thought, and it was the lack of disorder. There you go. Is what sh- shined to me that it was game one. You had, I had very little expectations. I thought they were going to lose the game. Um, and it wasn't only – obviously, Milton was the big standout. But it was the execution. Um, and there just wasn't like – I don't know. Michigan's just always been such a weird program to watch because there's just so much like just dumb shit. Right. Do like, sometimes yeah. we're just like, what was that, you know? Right. And they, like the, the amount of times they just shoot themselves in the foot and just hold, hold them back from being – from taking certain steps. Um, the fact that they did that in game one – Man, it really, it was really impressive. And I, I thought back to the podcast that you and I did, uh, I guess last week when we talked about the Harbaugh era, where I said, you know, look, for all we know, you know, they go out and win at Minnesota and Joe Milton turns out to be one of these guys. Yeah. And they just lack, they've lacked dudes at skill spots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Maybe, maybe he's the real deal. But I mean, the fact that it's promising coming out of week one, I think was just massively important for the program. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, I'm not overwhelmed by this, but it's, that's the most surprising part is that, you know, there were years in the Michigan, Michigan state deal when Hoke was around and Rodriguez is around. And there were times when D'Antonio had better rosters, but mm-hmm. there are also times where he was able to get wins because it was like, well, our team's just not going to, we're just going to wait for them to screw for up seven sure. things. <laughs> and we're just going to take advantage of it and win the game. Like, that's what they did, not just against Michigan, but Michigan State would do that against all sorts of teams. But Austin, this Michigan team, when we hear about Ben Mason standing up in the locker room and being like, you know, hey, uh, this is Joe Milton's night, and we're all going to, you know, give up our right arm to make sure this thing works for him. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, that's different. Like, that's not something that we're used to hearing. They seem to be on a on a level of, like, the same page – you know, fighting for each other, winning for each, whatever, all that stuff for each other. And maybe it's something that's coming across that way because they played so well and it's Zoom and everything else. But that's the overwhelming thing to me is that Milton has galvanized and brought together all of these guys to just, and not that they, I don't, I don't know that they were disjointed last year, but there was something that wasn't, you know, in the middle connecting everything. And and we've talked about that. I've told you about, you know, the first time we, we met Joe Milton in Paris and all this stuff and how, you know, guys have just always been drawn to him and he's kind of had that personality. But am I wrong? Am I overstating this that, you know, just it seems like he has the ability to really sort of like 
just be the connective tissue that all this kind of, you know, all this kind of was missing here. No, and Chris Hinton came out and said that this week. I mean, yeah. verbatim, a lot of the things that we talked about on the podcast earlier about it's night and day with this mm-hmm. year and last year. It's a completely different mindset around this team. And, you know, Chris Hinton said literally you know, this team is different from last year's team and how connected they are and, yeah. and the chemistry they have in the locker room. Sometimes people say that and you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. I really genuinely think that with this team that it is different. Mm-hmm. Obviously that that gets tested in ways that Michigan hasn't been tested yet. You know, if Michigan loses a game somewhere or, or they play poorly, you know, we'll find out how real that is and if that holds together. But right now, I do think that that is held together through a lot of crap that happened in the off season yeah. that was difficult. Uh and I think they've come out of that really feeling like this team is is really connected. And I think you're right. I think it starts with Milton because those guys have watched him mm-hmm. for two years. Frankly, if Joe Milton had wanted to march into Josh Gaddis's office or Jim Harbaugh's office last year and be like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Look at me. Look at what I can do. I should be playing. He would have probably been justified to do that. And I think guys saw that he didn't. Yep. He waited his turn and now he's there. And I think that I do think that that carries some weight with guys. And it's all, it all depends on the situation, obviously. So I don't want to say that this is the case in every scenario, but there does feel like there's something to the fact that Joe Milton's one of their guys. They recruited him. He came in with the rest of the freshmen in his class. They've like, you know, they had to live in freshman dorms together. They had to stay in the freshman locker room together. It's not a transfer that's coming in because he's better than everybody else on the team to save the program from, destruction and like uh, aimlessness he's one of their guys like I think that in some cases that's all it takes uh, and with Michigan right now it seems like they're you're on the verge of possibly hitting a jackpot here because you have one of your guys who is the guy and he's looks like a stud so if it works out then it's all the better but I'll, I'll ask this one and then I'll, I'll duck out for both of you guys for Austin Colton Colton best case scenario for Michigan State on on Saturday worst case scenario and maybe what you expect to happen <laughs> um the answer can be all the same. I was going to say, are we talking like, are we talking realistic best case? Yeah, scenario? yeah. Realistic best case scenario, realistic worst case scenario, and what you expect maybe will happen. Um, best case scenario, the offensive line magically puts it all together. Um, Elijah Collins is is found. You know, they yeah. put him back in the in the lineup, and he has a good game. You're feeling confident about that. Let's say he gets like 80 yards rushing and maybe a touchdown here or there. Like, you feel good about that. That's something you can build on. Um, the offensive line does well. Some young guys are mixed in. Defense does not look like they're playing slow. They're they're making reads in the moment. They're not second guessing themselves. And then ultimately, if you can keep it somewhat close, maybe like a ten point loss or something. I, I know it's yeah. twenty four and a half right now or whatever. But if you can keep it somewhat close or maybe make the score a little closer than it really seems at the end, something like that. I think you you can take that into the, you know the rest of the games mm-hmm. going forward. Worst case. Worst case, um, last year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, repeat. We've yeah. already seen it. I mean, like forty-four ten, something like that. I something I've and I wrote about this last year. Um, just all the insults and using stats yeah. and numbers from this rivalry to like that's all it takes to, to do oh, something yeah. like that. Like forty-four ten became one of those from last year's game. Yeah. So like you ideally, if you're Michigan State, even if you lose this, you want to avoid something like that. Like ninety-four yards, forty-four ten, <laughs> all that stuff goes hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> don't have don't have an embarrassing stat in this game. Maybe. Yeah. Yes, so that's that's another key for Michigan State. But uh, I, yeah, worst case scenario, I mean, like Rocky Lombardi, 
you know, he looked okay yeah. in, in last week's game. He certainly wasn't the reason they lost. He takes a step back. I mean, you got to throw one of those other guys out there. They're, they might not be ready at this point. Um, maybe – I don't know if you make that change mid-game if Rocky's that bad, but I don't think that's a scenario to break in. Yeah. Peyton Thorne or Theo Day in a game like that. Um, you know, I, maybe the defense is still working out some kinks. They give up a lot of points. And then all of a sudden – we thought week one overreaction was bad. Week two, you lose to Michigan 44-10 against them like that. Then you're talking about what, how many games can we win on the schedule. And I think that would be the talk if that's if that's what ends up happening. And also, I'd ask you the same. Best case for Michigan, worst case, and maybe what you think, uh, how you think this is going to go. Well, the worst case would be Michigan turns it over yeah. five times and finds a way to lose this game. And if you're a Michigan fan who's convinced yourself that that can't happen. It has happened. I would <laughs> maybe slow down just a little bit. Like, not quite there yet with Michigan where I'm saying right. like, you can't do that. I mean, I think we expect, you know, I think we expect that this would be a game where Michigan wins pretty comfortably. I think the best case scenario is, you know, it, you just have a drama-free a game where you never yeah. have to sweat it. Everything looks like it comes easy. Frankly, what we saw in week one, I think the best case scenario is a repeat of week one against Michigan State. I think what's most likely is that Michigan wins. Michigan wins pretty comfortably, but mm-hmm. there are some moments in this game where we'll be like, well, I didn't see that from Michigan State. You know, Michigan State's showing us something that we didn't see in week one, and I think it's likely that we'll see some times from Michigan where it doesn't look as easy as it looked for them against Minnesota. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think that Michigan State, your best case would be noted improvement in certain areas on the field, like noted improvement at the point of attack offensively. Playing the right guys, I think, would be a, a, a help. Or at least if you're the guys you're playing, you can get something more out of them to where they're maybe competitive, to where this game isn't a laugher you know, by halftime, to where you're, you're bothering them. Like I said, if you're – if you're fitting runs and just getting in the way, it's going to be better than what you did last week. And so I think for Michigan State, that's – and you're right, Colton, the, the worst would be, you know, any repeat of last year plus like, oh, you had minus seven yards rushing or whatever, and that's going to be a hashtag that, you know, people use on Twitter for the next year. And then for Michigan, yeah, I think also it's pretty, it's pretty clear. It's just if you can take another step – and I think in this case it actually would be as impressive – you forget the opponent – if you can take the the step to just say mentally, like we're so focused on what we want to do as a team that none of this other stuff's going to bother us, and this is going to be a thirty-five to three game at halftime because we're just going to physically put it on them, and I don't care if they get in the way and fit it right, we're going to maul them out of there anyway. So the alternate would be though, yes, I mean it's two thousand seventeen. Michigan went into a game against Michigan State with probably better talent and lost at home fourteen to ten in the middle of a rainstorm because they kept turning the ball over and couldn't stop doing the things that, you know, they don't do well. So I think that, you know, it's an interesting game. It's an interesting opportunity for Michigan State in some weird ways. And it's an interesting opportunity for Michigan in some weird ways, too, to sort of solidify where they think they're going. And then for Michigan State to maybe sort of even in a scenario where they probably were going to lose is to maybe reset things, get some pride going a little bit, maybe get some confidence somewhere a little bit and and see what happens next year, I guess. But um it was going to be a weird year. I think that the one thing I'll take away from this at the end was that, you know, Michigan did such a nice job of embracing, you know, when Harbaugh got here, and we don't talk about this a lot, I don't think. We used to talk about it all the time because Michigan was losing this game. But they did such a nice job of embracing the fact that they were struggling in this game and a nice job of making it important again and not acting like it was just some stupid thing that they had to do and 
Ohio State was a bigger deal. Like they embraced the fact that it was a problem. We talked, we, we heard from Devin Bush those years about, I hate those guys. I want to beat them. I don't care what anybody thinks. That was sorely needed. I think that's back. I think you give Jim Harbaugh credit for that uh, as they go forward here and they were able to flip this around. Michigan State, you know, lost that that swagger and confidence and went through last season sort of trying to feel around and sort of convince itself that it had it. And somewhere along the way here, they're going to have to find that back because, you know, when I watched last week's game and Michigan State's turned the ball over seven times and people started getting hot about Mel Tucker and I saw Mark D'Antonio standing in the stands with a mask on, I kind of said to myself, I think Mark D'Antonio should have to stand on the sidelines and watch the rest of this game uh, <laughs> as Mel Tucker watches his team struggle and crumble around as D'Antonio told us all last year that everything was going to be fine because you can't judge what Mel Tucker is doing right now without flipping back and looking at where Michigan State was as a team last year as the end of the D'Antonio era happened. This, he, he did them no favors by exiting when he exited. He did them no favors with his recruiting at the end of his tenure. This is a rebuild all the way. If anybody, I don't know, Colton, I don't know how many people out there are claiming otherwise, but I don't know what you watched last year that tells you that this is this wasn't a rebuilding situation. If D'Antonio was here, we'd probably be talking about the same thing. And I think that that's yeah. sort of where I'll leave it on that one. And here's what I'll say about Mel Tucker. For anyone that has a week one take or overreaction, what did you hire him for? You hired him to fix recruiting. You know, yeah. that was his biggest thing. Um, you know, he has all these connections from his, his past stops, like LSU, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. Like, he's using those connections. He's going national. He's recruiting all over the country. He hasn't had a single one of those players come to the team yet. Like, if you're going to overreact over one game, like, whatever, I get it. You don't want to lose to Rutgers ever. You can't really overreact to this one either because they probably weren't going to win it even if D'Antonio were still here. There's a talent gap, and they have to fix that, and it's going to take multiple years. So you can't really judge anything right now. Um, so for anyone with those thoughts, that's all I'll say for them. Yeah, I agree. Give me some score predictions. Score predictions? You're going to do this? That's right. <laughs> I'll start. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll, I'll say <laughs> that it's one of those games where uh, maybe Michigan State, you know, puts up an early touchdown and people's in Ann Arbor get a little tight and, uh, you know, maybe go a little back and forth early. And I'll say uh, Michigan kind of farts through the second half and then, and then just starts tacking them on, you know, the and, on, and everyone sitting on that 24 number gets really uncomfortable <laughs> and Michigan wins uh, 42 to 13. 42, 13. Yeah. Austin, you got one? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. Michigan, thirty-eight, fourteen. 38, I think 14. Michigan's offense maybe ha- has a few more uh, has a few more speed bumps mm. than we saw in, in the mm. first week. I think Michigan's gonna have to grind it a little bit. Okay, Colton, you going? Yeah, I was kind of similar with Austin. I will. I'll say. Um, Mm, it's tough. I'll say uh, 41-17. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think Michigan's going to get in the 40s as well. I, I, but I agree with Austin, too. I think that there, there are some speed bumps that they might have to go along the way here, but I think that they're just better. I think it's just a scenario where they just are going to have whatever they want on the ground, whatever they want to have. It. I mean, I, I would say something like, yeah, 42-13, 42-10, something, something like that. Um, I don't know if I bet it. Because I don't like, you know, betting a game like this. Because, <laughs> like you said, weird stuff can happen, and I could see, 
I could see Brendan's scenario maybe playing out too, where it's like if Michigan screws around and stalls out on some long drives or something like that and gets frustrated by for no other reason other than its own making, I could see that being something that kind of gets in the way. But I mean, this just doesn't feel like it's going to be close at all. So I think we're all in agreement on that one. But uh, that's worked out for man podcast. First one we've done on these like this in a minute, I think, anyway. I think we all have very distinctive voices, yeah. so it works. You know, yeah. anyone who listens to the pod knows who's talking at any given yeah. time. And, of course, this is a good time to remind everyone that if you uh, made it this far, you probably know the deal by now. But all of us will be involved on this show uh, throughout the year. Austin and I, Colton and I, Brendan and I, maybe all four again. Who knows? Maybe a different combination. Uh, so stay tuned and stay subscribed and tell your friends about The Beat. And with that, I'll turn it over to Brendan and let him uh, write if us you're not, I mean, if you're not – if you just listen to this whole thing, mm-hmm. four athletic writers rambling. Yeah. If you just listen to this whole thing and you are not subscribed to the athletic, like what are you doing? <laughs> get it together. Don't be an asshole and subscribe. It's like a dollar a month. So subscribe to right the now, athletic, yeah. uh, get on board so that you can read these guys because, uh, I do like I, I make fun of football all the time, but I do like following it actually a great deal, and I, I love reading all three of you. So. Uh, I hope everyone out there is doing the same. Um, And with that, we'll make it short this week. Make sure you go out and tip those bartenders and servers. Uh, Hopefully, we don't have to uh, (laughs) get into full-blown takeout-only situations. But you never know. So if you're still able to see people in person, make sure you're taking care of them because God knows what this winter holds. So be kind. I was born and raised The place where I